Chapter forty four of the Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter forty four provides for education having before me several years of absence from home if it should please the lord so long to spare me i now took measures for the welfare of those who would chiefly miss me the little cottage was my own from many generations and in a new will made by a clever man no less than our new schoolmaster i left it to bunny and all my effects except my boat and the sum of ten guineas which two items as honour demanded were for miss delushy but what is wealth without education no more than a plummet without the line knowing this i provided as follows a thoroughly fine new schoolmaster had arisen as aforesaid for the purpose of educating all our newton children our good parson had brought him in not because the old one being challenged by the village tailor to spell the word horse without the picture proved his command of the alphabet by accomplishing it in nine different ways all wrong for that was entered to his credit when the tailor failed to do the like but because he horsed a boy and left him there for the afternoon having fallen asleep without thrashing him and it shows what the public confusion of mind is that there were not three people in all the parish who could help jumbling these stories together because each of them had a horse in it however the poor old man had to go and colonel lower having nothing to do with the spelling of the children thought it so hard on his brother's part that he made the old man his head gardener so as to double his wages and enable him to sleep not half but the whole of the afternoon his successor in the school had been sought out very diligently and he could spell almost as well as bardie could pronounce a word but when we found that he came from a distance more than a quick man could walk in a day and that he could not through all his forefathers although they were quite at his finger ends claim so much even as intermarriage with any of our third-rate families much less with any llewellyns or hopkins or bevins or even thomases we saw that even parson lower had gone a little too far for us and not a woman in the place would let a bedroom to that man however we could not bolt him out of his own schoolroom and there he slept contented with a pile of slates for bedstead and of copy-books for bolster and for pillow for a week at least he had no school but he went to church and sang beautifully which brought half the women over and the children began to be such a plague at home before monday morning that eight or nine were sent back to school as if with halters round their necks with these he took so much kind trouble that in three hours they learned more than the parish had learned for a generation so much that they could not keep it down when they went home for dinner in the afternoon there were twenty pupils and by the end of the week three dozen but how could they prove him to their parents qualified for a bedroom upon the strength of my present position and unrivalled experience i found it my duty to come to the fore and take the command of the householders and knowing of course what a waste of time it is to reason with anybody i seized the bull by the horns and offered master roger burke rolls the occupancy of my cottage 
upon most liberal conditions that is to say for rent per quarter one sea snail and per annum one cockle shell to preserve the title provided nevertheless and upon this express condition that my lawful granddaughter bunny should be fed alimented sufficiently nourished clothed clad apparelled and in garments found also taught instructed indoctrined educated and perfected in every branch of useful knowledge by the said roger burkrolls item that if a certain child of tender years known as delushy should at any time appear on the premises and demand instruction instruction of the highest order and three slices of bread and butter should be imparted to her without charge de die in diem i objected to these dias as being of a nasty churchyard sound but master roger convinced me soon and must have convinced a far tougher fellow that to put our latter end out of sight and out of mind so is a bad example and discouragement for the young ones whose place it is to dwell on it a man of far coarser tone of mind than mine would be required to describe master roger's sense of gratitude towards me when i do a handsome thing i cannot bear to tell of it nor even to receive the praise accruing from what neighbours know do it and be done with it in all such cases is my rule and if roger chose to give me an inventory of goods and chattels he can bear me out in saying that i scorn to call a witness in to put his name to it business is not my strong point and it never is with a man of largeness the next thing for me to see to was to get some wicked warrants quashed which a deep ignorance of my character and the lies of very low villains had induced some weak or vicious magistrates to issue so that in the sporting season when i might have done my best i was forced to decamp with my telescope this has been mentioned perhaps before but not my strong resolution to face it out as soon as ever the sense of a strong position enabled me no doubt they had meant to do their duty and i forgave them altogether there were three of them two names i quite forget how can one think of such trifles at sea but the third was one master anthony stew who had tyrannized over me dreadfully in the times of my tribulation up to this man's gate i went and rang the great bell with my three stripes on and a cap of fronted tapestry squire anthony was about somewhere on the premises would my honour mind waiting while the boy went round to look for him this maid never guessed how often she had told me my fish was bad and what a shame it was to make them eat it up in the kitchen or starve and where did i hope to go to neither did she recollect how she had as good as made me kiss her behind the meat-screen when my glory began to grow for saving those drowned niggers and yet i could not be sure that she did not know it all and hide it all for the joy of boasting afterwards i understand everything except women when i was shown into the drawing-room and mrs stew with a curtsey went out as if afraid to trust herself in a presence so imposing i had a great mind to take a nip at some of the rubbish upon the table the whole of these knick-knacks could never have paid me half what this fellow had cost me in fines expenses costs and so on without a bit of evidence from any man of character however i only looked at them 
When that low Anthony Stew came in, he knew me. Before I could speak almost, he gave a quick glance at the table, and then without another word showed me out, in spite of all my uniform, to his dirty little justice room. With such a man I should think it wrong to go into his ribaldry, only he said this at last. Davy, thou thief, we will withdraw them, because we cannot execute them. Now thou art in royal service. Five there are, if I remember. Does your conscience plead to more? My conscience pleads to none, your worship. Perjured scoundrels, all of them. Five was the number, I do believe. Alas, what may we come to? The gallows, Dio, the gallows, thou rogue. Thou hast had some shavings, but when thy turn comes, good Dio, I will do thee a good turn if I can. Will your worship tell me why? I never looked for anything but the flint edge from your worship. Because thou art the only rogue I never was a match for. There, go thy way now, go thy way, or I shall be asking thee to dinner. Nay, your worship, God forbid, what food have I had since breakfast-time? And so I won the last word of him. After this provision for my good repute and defiance of magisterial scandal on behalf of Bunny, my next act was one of pure generosity towards an ancient enemy. Poor Sandy Macraw had a very hard fight to maintain himself and his numerous and still increasing family. Sometimes they did not taste so much as a rind of bacon for months together, but lived on barley-bread and dog-fish, or such stuff as he could not sell, with oatmeal cakes for a noble treat every other Sunday. What did I do but impart to him, under document drawn by Burke-Rolls, that license to fish off and on scar-point which my courage had well established, with authority to him, and covenant by him to attack and scare all poachers, the whole to be void upon my return, if so I should think proper. And not only this, but I put him in funds to replace all his tackle by enabling him to sell his boat, for I went so far as to lease him my own at a moderate yearly rental upon condition that he should keep her in thorough repair and as good as new. And for the further validity, as the lease said, of this agreement, two years' rent became due at once and was paid from the price of the other boat. My boat went twice as fast as Sandy's, and was far more handy, so that this bargain was fair and generous, and did honour to all concerned. The next and last thing before starting was to provide for poor Barty herself, for I feared that Hezekiah or some other unprincipled fellow might trump up a case and get hold of her, and sell, or by other means turn into money my little pet, to the loss of my rights, and perhaps her own undoing. Resolved as I was to stop all chances of villainy of that kind, I went direct to Colonel Lower and to Lady Blewett. Here I made the cleanest breast that ever was scooped out almost. I may declare that I kept in nothing except about painting the boat and one or two infinite trifles of that sort which it would have been a downright impertinence to dwell upon. Nevertheless, Colonel Lower said that some blame might attach to me in spite of all pure intentions. But Lady Bluett said no, no, she would not hear of it for a moment. The only thing that surprised her was Llewellyn's thorough unselfishness and chivalrous devotion to a child who was nothing to him. She was a bewitching little dear, no one who saw her could doubt that. Still it showed a very soft side to a wonderfully gallant character, when through all modesty it appeared what womanly tenderness there had been. 
and this proved how entirely right her opinion had been from the very first and what a mistake the good colonel had made in declining to let her even argue my dear eleanor my dear eleanor cried the colonel with his eyes wide open and his white hand spread to her i am surprised to hear you say so but we cannot go into that question now llewellyn begged for my opinion yours my dear as you have proved is of course more valuable still i thought that it was mine to be sure it was dear henry yours is what was asked for my rule is never to interrupt you but to listen silently to be sure eleanor to be sure and we always agree in the end my dear but so far as i can judge at present llewellyn although with the very best meaning and a display of the greatest valour come colonel even by his own account yes my dear great valour no doubt coupled with very sound discretion yet when i come to consider the whole i really do think that your hero might have entered more fully into these particulars about the boat of course he had no motive and it was simply an error of judgment henry there was no error at all what could he do when they would not even listen to him about the name of the ship if they would not listen about a ship it is it likely they would listen about a boat and a very small atom of a boat the thing is too ridiculous perceiving a pause i made my bow for the very last thing i could desire would be to sow a controversy between the gentleman and lady whom of all the county i esteemed the most and loved the best and i knew that if i caused dissension in a pair so well united each would think the less of me when they came to make it up together moreover my object was attained their attention was drawn to the child again the colonel as the nearest magistrate was put in legal charge of her i was now quit of all concealment and lady bluett had promised to see to the poor thing's education if ever she should need any this i hoped with all my heart that she would do and quickly too and indeed she was growing at such a pace after that long illness also getting so wonderfully clever about almost everything and full of remarks that might never strike a grown man till he thought of them that the only way or chance i saw of taking the genius out of her was to begin her education forgetting just now a good deal of my own and being so full of artillery i got master burkrolls to make the first start and show her the way to the alphabet our bunny now could spell cat and dog and could make a good shot at some other words and enjoyed a laugh at children head and shoulders over her whenever they went amiss and she from the master's face was sure of it but bardie had never been to school for i thought it below her rank so much and now i contrived for our great schoolmaster to come to my cottage and there begin it must have made the very gravest man ever cut from a block of wood laugh to behold master roger and her he with his natural dignity and well-founded sense of learning and continual craving for a perfect form of discipline yet unable to conceal his great wonder at her ways she on her side taking measure of him in a shy glance or two and letting her long eyelashes fall and crossing her feet with one shoulder towards him for him to begin with her he vowed that he never had such a pupil instead of learning she wanted to know the reason why of everything why had a two legs and a girdle while b had two stomachs and no leg at all c was the moon from the shape of it it was no good to tell her that c was the cat a cat had four legs and c had none and as for d being a dog she would fetch dear dutch if he would not believe her and show him what a dog was like and then perceiving how patient he was and understanding his goodness the poor little fatherless soul jumped up on his knee and demanded a play with him 
He did not know how to play very well, because he was an ancient bachelor, but entering into her sad luck from knowledge of her history, he did the very best thing, as I thought, that ever had been done to her. He put her on a stool between his knees, and through the gloss of her hair he poured such very beautiful and true stories that one could almost see her mind, like the bud of a primrose opening. She pushed up her little hands and tossed her thick hair out of the hearing way, and then, being absorbed in some adventures like her own almost round, she turned and laid her eyes upon his furrowed yet beaming face and her delicate elbows on his knees and drank in every word with sighs and short breath and a tear or two although from one point of view i did not like to be superseded so especially in my own department as might be said of story-telling yet i put small feelings away and all the jaundice of jealousy if i were bound to go wherever government might order me for the safety of our native land and with moderate pay accruing also with a high position and good hopes of raising it the least i could do was to thank the lord for sending those two poor children a man so wise and accomplished and kind-hearted bound over to look after them and yet i would almost as lief have committed them into the hands of mother jones who could scarcely vie with me but they promised never to forget me and the night before i went away i carried bardie back to scar and saw that black evan was dying End of chapter forty four